Every day, software improvements make animated objects look so real. 3D sculpting software, for example, not only provides traditional 3D modeling features, it allows an artist to treat an object as if it were a real-life model made out of clay. How does this work? I don't know. But in this episode, 2246, Bill and Sean Johnston, the CG Bros, will be answering the commonly asked question, how is CGI used to create 3D sculptures on the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast? Welcome to the CG Insider Podcast. If you're a new listener to our podcast, welcome. If you're a regular listener, it's really great to see you again and welcome back. In today's episode of the CG Insider Podcast, we'll be answering another great question submitted to our Ask Us Anything page at thecgbros.com, this time by Jonathan M. from Oceanside, California. And Jonathan asks, how is CGI used to create 3D digital sculptures? And by the end of our discussion today, you'll not only know how CGI is used to create some of these awesome 3D sculptures, but uh, you'll also learn a little history and some background, as well as how this incredible technology is being used today and where 3D sculpting looks to be headed in the future as well. So uh, be sure to stay to the end as well because uh, we'll be sharing some great examples of some really awesome 3D sculpting work. I'm Bill Johnson, an industry veteran specializing in 3D animation and digital VFX for folks like Activision, Sony Computer Entertainment, Bungie, just to name a few. And now that we're name dropping, I'm Sean Johnston, professional CG no, artist no. and animator in the video games industry with over 28 years of experience. Uh, and today, I'm currently a full-time animation director. Uh, well, grateful to be your host for this edition of the CG Insider Podcast. And thanks for asking that great question, Jonathan. Uh, what is 3D sculpting anyway, Bill? Well, that's a really great question, like you said. And uh, it's basically uh, it's like sculpting with real clay. You know, you, you sculpt, you know, by pushing things in and push, pulling things out and squishing things and push shaping them with your hands. It's, it's very similar, actually. And, and 3D sculpting is also called digital sculpting. They're kind of synonymous in that way. But it's, it's just a lot like sculpting with real clay, except in a digital environment. Um, it's a multi-layer process, generally. And, you, you know, you basically start out with uh, basic shapes, such as squares or spheres or, you know, tubes, things like that. And uh, then you just kind of refine it down with the, with the, in the software of your choice. Uh, there are different ones that we'll talk, talk about later, but uh, that's basically it. Um, yeah, I, yes, I agree. I agree with that completely. Um, the thinking back to my own, um, you know, history in, in 3D, um, I go back to, it's relatively, I mean, within the last 20 years, 20 plus years, um, that this has even been available for people to actually go into the computer and sculpt in 3D, just as if you were uh, with clay, like you said, or some other type of media um, medium that you're using um, to sculpt, you know, chipping away, let's say, at marble or something like that by the, uh, the great uh, masters. But um, today, I mean, it's so easy to, to do it in the computer, just with a little bit of, of um, training. Um, and people who are already artists can just pick up the tools and start going right away. But again, it's, it, 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 it's gone really, really fast. in in my view, Bill, it's, it's, um, I remember trying to do just deformation, you know, sculpting in on a, on a flat plane of mesh plane in 3d studio max back in the day, in the early nineties to late nineties, actually, um, early two thousands. And it was really difficult to do. In fact, there was a process that, uh, I was trying to do was to actually even use Photoshop and and digitally, you know, have almost like a live link between 
3D Studio Max and or Maya and Photoshop so you can actually paint within the viewport of your, your modeling package and actually see it deforming the, let's say a, a sphere, for example, or a, a mesh cube or something that you want to sculpt and start with, um, you know, some type of primitive uh, polygon. Yes, primitive. I, I, I remember as well, you know, but part, I mean, how I used to do that in the early days was, was through the booleaning process where you take, you know, primitive objects and you'd cut one against the other, you know, you'd create these shapes and you'd carve out, you know, you try to, you know, Use use them as cutting tools, basically, and they have they've evolved to to some of the tools that they they have today, and some of the n nice packages that we'll talk about, some of the software packages. But basically, I, I'd have to create my own t quote modeling tools and use those against primitive objects, kind of carving away areas, and that was kind of that was not very intuitive. Um, no, yeah, there was, but there... but it was it was a hack that, that that could be done. Yes, and there were there are meta balls. Um, I don't know if you remember that yep. meta rays. Yep. Uh, 3D Studio plugin back, uh, I guess it was a Spanish company back then. Um, it, you know, th those are the things. That, and I remember seeing just the, the modeling that they did. Uh, there was a, I think uh, MetaRays actually had a, a dinosaur. Uh, it was a T-Rex. And it was extremely, uh, for the time period, was really highly detailed, almost very similar to um, Jurassic Park. And I was like, man, we can do this in 3D Studio Max. This is incredible. Uh, I was so excited. But, but it's, 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 it was very difficult for me to use metaballs. And then it's almost like putting balls together, small and big balls together. And then you basically run the program and it would basically create a skin over it, almost like a patch of, of NURBS or whatever. I believe it's maybe patch modeling at that point. Um, but Yes, and they looked very blobby. It was a very blobby-like uh, yeah. skinning, too. It, it, it was, was almost like very... you'd have, yeah, you had to really smooth it out really a lot because you would have like almost like... Uh, you know, ripples underneath the, you know, underneath the leg, for example, or the body, you'd see these really ripples and it's like what marbles, like marbles underneath the skin or something. It was just kind of weird. But, but, you know, it was, it was like you said, with Booleans, I did that a lot and did mesh smoothing a lot where you just combine two things together and then you'd seam them together after a Boolean, you'd like to do a combined and then you do a mesh smooth around that to kind of do your sculpting there. Cause there was no way to, to do that in the, in the viewport at that point. Um, no, and people, uh, uh, modelers today would, would re I mean, they, they've got some great tools today that, that, and they didn't have to put up with the limitations that, that we had to, Sean. I mean, we had, we were pushing and pulling vertices and you still do that to some degree, but the tools that they're used to do that, I mean, there's, there's tools with, with uh, nice, you know, soft brushes, basically. Yeah, soft selection. Can, mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. That really make the job a, a, a ton easier. Uh, they, they don't understand how good they've got it today. You know, today, but. yeah, today it's like, wow, if you've grown up with it, right? I mean, that's all you know. Um, I mean, we used to sculpt with lattices. I mean, we used to, that's how we used to model with using lattices as well. You'd put a lattice right. cage around your model, pull, pull the lattice points because there were too many vertices. Uh, so it was easier to pull, you know, control points basically. We did, and and try to try to. Um, that was the way you did it. And then, the, of course, there are nerves, right? Oh, gosh. yes, yes. And we had to walk to school both ways up the hill in the snow with with lightning. <laughs> yeah. lightning yeah. So anyway, uh, sorry about that. Kind of flip, fell flat, but uh, yeah, it's today. It's it's you, the freedom you have today, obviously. And there's a lot of people who don't know this, and there's a lot of people who do know this. But the freedom you have today is 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 unlimited. It really is. It's un, it's really literally unlimited because you can take those sculpts, those sculpts, for example, and you can you can get them and print them out. But just to back up, let me go back to two around two thousand. Um, you know, I don't even know if they used Jurassic Park if they actually used any type of three D paint 
uh, on the actual dinosaurs themselves. I don't know if they did that to sculpt them. I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think so because that was early 90s. The technology, in, in fact, 1999 is when the, the makers of ZBrush from Pixelogic actually submitted to SIGGRAPH. It was 1999. They had a demo version of ZBrush that was released. Um, and then the actual, that was one point, I think it was 1.55. And then uh, that was uh, released in 2003. The new version of 1.55 was actually released to the public. And um, I remember seeing it for the first time. I think I mentioned the past podcast that it was looking at the interface and how unintuitive to me it was compared to 3D Studio Max and using Maya as my primary modeling packages was really weird. And it was like, ah, oh, this is so cool. It's neat that you can do those things, but it's, I, you know, moving around the interface was very difficult for me. And it was, an, I didn't want to have to learn another way of, of navigating. And the tools were, you know, buried in, 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 um, and the, there's icons that I didn't understand. It was just like another, I didn't have time really, cause I was already in production doing other stuff. But then the modelers, uh, that really wanted to spend the time actually, um, they, there's a version of, uh, uh, you've heard of Mudbox. Mudbox came out in the early 2000s as well. Um, I believe uh, that particular uh, package right here, I can show you, this came out and, and Mudbox came out of Weta. The guys, some artists at Weta Digital actually were using that on Lord of the Rings back in 2001 timeframe. And this is one of the first sculpts um, using Mudbox. They said that was a little bit more, a lot, actually a lot easier and more intuitive to use. Uh, in fact, uh, Autodesk eventually bought it, but um, you know, and then they used it on King Kong and things like that. So there's, I was going to, I, I kind of took the lead on that bill. I know you're going to talk about either Mudbox or ZBrush. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, 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 please continue. Yeah. I was just going to say, those are the two main packages. Basically you're going to be using majority of the artists that I know use uh, ZBrush. Um, yes. And I, I would just say that, you know, it's the industry standard ZBrush is, and it's, it's really come kind of a long way since the, you know, the first, uh, version that, that you're talking about. And basically, um, it's for experienced, more experienced users. Um, and it, it's got, like you said, a lot of complex features. And that that's why it's, it, it's you know, some people who just jump into it and take a look at it are pretty intimidated sometimes. But it, it's, 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 it's got, it offers you a lot of freedom uh, for designing. I mean, it's, it's quite, it's quite, it's, it's quite extensive and it's, it's really powerful. Um, but like you said, they've, they've got another pr uh, product called Sculptress, which is, it's by Pixelogic as well, but it's 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 uh you know for beginners. It, basically, it's a dumbed down version of ZBrush, you know, because I'll tell you what, it's when you jump into ZBrush straight away without knowing it, uh, it's intimidating. And there is a big learning curve uh, with with it, but it is pretty intuitive. That's the thing, is uh, you know some of the stuff, you know, a lot of the stuff, it's not hidden. Uh, you can go, you can kind of try it, and that's why I really liked about Max too. Just kind of as a side, you know, you could just slide around the sliders and the attributes and kind of see what they did. You didn't have to glean them from some list somewhere. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm, I digress. Um, Sculptress is a, is a great uh, uh, product as well, just for beginners so that you can kind of experiment on it. So it's basically got a limited tool set uh, for, for doing that, but it's, it's a perfect, perfect uh, for beginners. That's, that's yes. And to, to differentiate the difference between 3d modeling and, and sculpting, um, you know, you can basically sculpt in 3d, uh, 3d without a polygonal, a polygonal mesh. So in, in ZBrush, they use what they call voxel based sculpting, and instead of using polygons, which is basically the models divided into voxels or pixels grouped together to create three-dimensional geometry. Uh, and so you, you and, and the thing about ZBrush too, is you can have these sculpts that look like they literally have 
millions and millions of polygons. The detail is so in, in, intense. So if you could see just this Hellboy in the background, if I could zoom in on that, I mean, the hair that, that's in the actual model itself is, is, is modeled in there. That, those kind of details would be, I mean, in the hair, would be millions and millions of polygons. Just the base of this Hellboy sketch or um, sculpt, you look at the detail in there, the, all of the um, deformation and all of the, um, that would be a, a millions and millions of polygons. And it's very, very fast using voxels. So uh, you can spin the, the model around very, very quickly. You can um, bring, you can basically um, almost like mask out or have selections of certain things that will show up and not show up. So you can kind of isolate objects in ZBrush. Um, so pretty, pretty yes, amazing you know, you know, package. I'm yeah, what I'm noticing about this image that you're showing, yeah, you can go, you can keep oh, yeah. it up there if you go want ahead. to. Uh, what I'm not really noticing is is the level of detail. I mean, if you were to try to model that with in, in the real world, and I guess we're kind of we'll get to that as well. You know, the benefits, pros mm -hmm. and cons of of it. But you know, the level of detail is is so small and or so great, I should say, that that you can you can't you can't reproduce that in the real world in, in a lot of instances with real material. Yes, I guess the the whole point is organic objects are very easy to to do in in versus you know um, mechanical type objects, things that have sharp edges, things like that, right? I mean, um, organics is really where this shines. Um, sculpting, for example, obviously. Um, so, yeah, definitely primarily primarily used for. I mean, as far as Hollywood's concerned, with creature creation generally. Right, right. I mean, things that you you would never never try uh, would just polygonal modeling. I mean, that's where you see, obviously, the difference between the realism that you're seeing. It's it's more realistic. You're going to see a lot more of that um, versus you, you, you early 90s, you see creatures and they're like, ooh, they're probably, they're not using uh, ZBrush or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, obviously, when we first saw Lord of the Rings, that's when you're looking and you're seeing, oh man, these creatures are really highly detailed and, um, and, and move around. And obviously, they look so amazing, right? Realistic, realistic is what I'm trying to say. Yes, and that's uh, exactly, and that's 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 kind of what I was getting to is is that level of detail. I mean, with how, how do you know to put that level of detail? How do you know what goes in that level of detail? And that's we've talked about this before in a lot of past podcasts. Is is you know powers of observation. These artists, they have to what what your reference material is. You really have to go down to you know observe everything down to the smallest detail and, 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 you know, from anatomy, say, I mean, depending on what you're sculpting, of course, but basically you need to develop your, your powers of observation before you, you really get into the sculpting or have extremely good reference because you can model down to the smallest little sand bit if you want to. That's right. That's right. And, and that particular, um, Hellboy was uh, Ramel Chopra. Uh, that was uh, an amazing artist that, that, uh, did that sculpt. I want to give, uh, Props to to him for that, um, but like I said early on, I mean seriously, 2006 is really where even Mudbox became um, something that people could start using, and in fact, at that time it was like um, it was a, it was like a I mean for example there was there was an article in VFX World at 2006 and the digital sculpting about um, using this new Mudbox and at that time it was Sky Matter was the company before Pix uh, before Autodesk bought it, but it says. Um, this, this is by Fred uh, Galper, and he said, uh, for some digital sculpting, uh, for some, digital sculpting still sounds like some far-off dream. However, few lucky souls know that the dream is no longer the stuff of fantasy. Mudbox, a soon-to-be-released 3D app developed by new artist or New Zealand-based Sky Matter Limited, is a fulfillment of many 3D artists' yearnings. 
I mean, look at the look at how that 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 text and 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 man, it was such an amazing time at that time when it first came out. And today, with the speed of our computers, um, and now with using Substance Painter and Designer, along with ZBrush ZBrush sculpting, you can do realistic um, skin, everything like Jason Momoa, the artist, did uh, this particular of Aquaman. Um, it's it's just the the uh, the realism is is just uh, is is realistic. I mean, it really looks real, like a real person. Yes, and the level of detail, the realism. I, I think it's all. Uh, and I got myself in the in the way here, <laughs> but yeah, it's just amazing the level of detail that you can accomplish. And, and Mudbox and and ZBrush are you know they're 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 competitors. They're the they're the top two. They're they're battling it out for first place. I think for uh, sure, generally, but. I think uh, as well, uh, you know, it, you can talk about the benefits of, 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 you know, what makes, why is it important? I mean, what are the benefits of doing digital sculpting, say, over uh, traditional sculpting? And, and one of them was that the level of detail that I was talking about. And there's definitely others as well. Like, you know, think about the mess that you don't have to clean up after sculpting some of these things. I and mean, you can sculpt them out of really anything if you want to, marble or I mean, you don't have, it doesn't have to be clay because you can texture these things any way you like. And there's some amazing examples that you showed, like of Jason Momoa there. Uh, you know, this is my favorite sculptor here. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then what 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 are people using these things for? Um, they're using them for all sorts of prototyping, product design. Um, you're using uh, for obviously gaming. Um, you know, it's a no brainer, obviously, because the, the more realism that you can put into, at least with uh, some of the, unless you're doing, even if you're doing stylized games, you're going to be using ZBrush for your character modeling to, too. And they've got tools in there that allow you to um, optimize and to, so your, so your textures don't um, smear or blur or distort. Um, they can actually um, unify that and, and uh, the topography on, on the actual mesh itself and equally divide it all up into nice uh, patches. Um, and so there's lots of those forensic, for example, this is one of our favorite artists and, and this, he was actually on our channel. Um, he does a lot of forensic um, work and his name is Philip Froche and he's uh, obviously French. And some of the stuff he's done is actually um, recreate um, 18th century dynasty, Egypt, uh, Nibiri. And, and in fact, K King Henry, the fourth of France, um, right here, uh, just by based on the skull or a sculpt that they had of, like I say, a death uh, death skull that they are a sculpt that they had of, or what do they call them, Bill? When they put the like almost like paper mache on top of your face yeah. when you it's like a death, death mask. Death it's, mask. Yeah. I, can't, I don't can't, couldn't believe I couldn't say that. Um, and so you you've got this where they build it up all in three D and in the computer and based on measurements and they can tell which direction the nose uh, based on the no nosal cavity. Uh, nasal cavity and the bone right there and how it goes up or goes down. They can tell who that is and recreate people that uh, have passed uh, dead, you know, and they just get the skull and can do that. Or people that they can't, you know, like for CSI, for example, if they find somebody who's unfortunately been murdered or something, they can recreate the face and if they don't know who it is. Um, this is interesting. This is Mary Magdalene. Uh, I don't know how he actually got this one. I don't know if he dug up um, the skull or not, <laughs> or just, you know, I don't have no idea. But uh, it's just the, the realism, the beauty that you can get with these sculpts today. Uh, for example, here's another one, Perseus, uh, which I think is, if I could zoom into that, I would. But uh, I mean, it's just, you can do it. So it, and in fact, they have shaders that make it look just like marble or clay or 
bronze or pewter or any of those things, you can do that right there with the shader right within uh, ZBrush. Yes, and I think that's the power. Uh, you know, we're talking about what it's so you know what are the benefits. That's that's the one of the real powers is to, you can achieve that photorealistic or hyperrealistic uh, result. Um, you know, and then you can use that in movies and, and animation stuff like that and games, like you said. But you know, it it involves. You know, we talked about special tools, um, and and, it, and you know, I'll just show you a little video here, a ZBrush uh, tool set uh, kind of running. But this shows you kind of the examples and some of the tools that they use. But one of the other advantages of of doing digital sculpting is that you you can sculpt on a really small scale and then you can scale that you know while maintaining you know the correct proportions that's really hard to do in the real world you know you have to re re recreate it uh you don't have to do that digitally and um they're showing some of the techniques here which which you know there's the boolean operation mm -hmm. um you know the doing it in the digital world you have options like mirroring uh you know you create one side of of the work and then you mirror it to the other side to and it gives you perfect symmetry um, and that they've got tools that are symmetrical in here. So you, while you do one side, you're doing the other. As he's carving into the shoulder, it's carving the other side. Yeah, it's mirroring. It's just, yeah. mm -hmm. Exactly. And once, once the artwork is completed, you, you, know, you have the freedom to look it over, easily make changes, you know, scale it, add it. You know, and you don't have to, you can add stuff back, texture it. Um, just the, the, the way you can manipulate it um, is, is really uh, amazing. Um, That's a beautiful you quickly. Video. Yeah, you could do it. It's it's relatively easily, uh, but you know. But the real power, I think, is you is at the end of this process, you have something that can be animated, Sean, as opposed to you know if you're sculpt stuff in the real world, you know. <laughs> right. It's, you got it. it. What do you do with it? Hanging on the wall, I guess. But right. Um, Just the mere fact that you can actually um, you know paint up paint on the surface with other polygons or make it conform to the surface of other polygons and meshes in there is 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 truly. Uh, awe-inspiring. I mean, you can, in, in fact, in, in ZBrush, you even think thing, thing called fiber mesh, which basically is a feature that allows you to grow polygon fibers out of a model, basically to make, you know, hair or other botanical items. Um, like, you know, it, it's just the, the, the amazing brushes that they have. And this is all math. It's all done with math. I mean, we're, I was going to talk about just a, about, um, you know, a substance painter and substance designer, um, and, and the speed at which these, you can now use those. So the, basically the workflow is traditionally now, at least, is you're, you're using, uh, maybe you, you may want to block something out in Maya, for example, and in, in polygons, just primitives. And then you maybe bring that into ZBrush and then you sculpt on top of that. Um, I know artists that do that workflow and then they bring it into, they'll, they'll do Substance Designer, which basically is a node-based um, uh, procedural texture maker. And so you can plug in all these different functions that are, which are basically algorithms, you know, for, uh, let's say, uh, clouds, or you want to do checkers, or you want to do bricks, or you want to do something like that, you can just put these functions in there. That's, that's basically non-destructive. I mean, you, you can just disconnect the nodes later. And then when you go to Substance Painter, you bring in the actual object itself, and you can do masks and, and um, on top of it, and just uh, texture to, and paint to your heart's content. Yes, and then after you, then you render that out, and then you put that into Photoshop, and and really finish it off. Yeah, I mean, there's it's just wow, I, I I it just amazes me, Bill, how fast things have gone. It's just the the acceleration of of this is just uh, just amazing. Um, I, I just want to yes, show so a couple more things here. This is this is ahead. one of my favorites too. I was going to show this just like almost like a traditional sculpt, right, or, of an actual um, a statue that somebody's made. And then they've colorized it almost like it was from a painting. And you can actually go in there and, and look as it, it does. I know I've seen this as a painting somewhere where this thing is fighting and somebody made it in 3D. And you can kind of go into it and walk around. 
but here's one of, uh, for Zeus. I mean, you can use the texturing to make it look exactly like um, uh, marble and, and you can etch out and, and make it look like rock. I mean, it's, oh gosh, there's just so much. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking too much. Go ahead, Bill. Well, I was just saying, I mean, those are those are nice, you know, renaissance type type sculptors, and that that brings me to another thing we didn't really cover, which is a great use and application, which is um, preservation of great works of art. I mean, they yeah. they degrade, they break, they 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 get stolen, they get vandalized. I mean, you know, some of these things. Think about how many irreplaceable works of art that have been lost, you know, or are about to be lost, which uh, you know how. We could, we could, with digital recreations, you know, you can, you can kind of preserve that stuff. And, you know, I, I, it makes me wonder, you know, if we, if the stuff in the museum is actually real, uh, the real art itself. You but mean traditional? But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, more to the point, um, why wouldn't there be digital museums? Why would you actually have the, the piece there? And even if you did have the piece, you wouldn't have the piece because it's too valuable. And so you'd have a digital recreation. I mean, when I say digital, you can take the, the digital cre recreation, you can 3D print that stuff and, and, you know, with, you know, with the texture and everything, and and substitute it for the real thing. So I mean, where 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 is the real piece of art? You know, mm -hmm. uh, where does it exist? Uh, and pretty soon, it's not going to all be either. You know, uh, created from a digital. Uh, it'll be a digital recreation, whether it's just you know, in, in you know, printed out or or on a on a uh, as a data file. This is uh, Maxim Hadar. I wanted to show you the last thing before we have to to wrap up. But this this is used. He's using um, uh, ZBrush here to do this this actual. Uh, model at the very end here that you see that's just this beautiful sculpt um just just gorgeous um anyway but just uh, just uh, we could go on forever we really kind of have to wrap it up don't we <laughs> uh, yeah yeah i'd like to show one last thing okay. uh, before we go an honorable mention this is a this is a great little uh piece called uh, snaily and it's made by thomas crawl and i just it's just a, the cutest little thing a little ha Halloween special, a little mutant snail on top of pumpkin. Just very cool. <laughs> but this was uh, something he did uh, with ZBrush as well. And it's it just kind of shows you that you can do the level of photorealism, but then you can sculpt fantasy creatures and how, how realistic and beautiful and detailed it looks. Like you said, yeah. animating him after that is just, uh, is, it makes it the cherry on top, right? Yeah, you can rig it in ZBrush too. That's yeah, impose it and, and do all the things. Set, set, yeah, that's we could go into that as well, which we didn't really touch on. But that's a whole other subject of rigging and posing. But, right. right. Uh, yeah, we want to thank you for being part of our podcast today. Sorry we didn't have more time uh, with you, but uh, we want you to know we do them exclusively for you. And we really had a great time answering Jonathan's question: How is CGI used to create three D digital sculptures? And we hope that you learned something that you didn't know along the way because the CG bros believes, and I hope you know this by now, it's our philosophy that you should learn something new at least once every week. So uh, we enjoyed our conversation and hope you did. And if you did, uh, also share it with your friends. Uh, hit that like button too because it helps YouTube find other people like you who are interested in what we talk about here on the podcast, CGI and VFX related stuff. Um, and uh, if you've got a subject that you'd like us to discuss on one of the podcasts, please let us know uh, by going over to our website at thecgbros.com and over to the About Us tab and click on Ask Us Anything drop down and leave your uh, question there, just like Jonathan did. We're always looking to improve our podcast and would like to know what you think. So please leave us a comment below. And if you do, no guarantees. We may even read it during one of our future podcasts. And just in case you didn't know, we bring you a new cutting edge edition of the CG Insider right here every week where we discuss things having to do with computer graphics, CGI animation, digital VFX, as well as other related and interesting topics. 
Also be sure to check out the CG Bros YouTube channel for your front row seat for some amazing state-of-the-art CGI short film entertainment created by some of the most talented new media producers and VFX studios out there today. As well as uh, check out some revealing VFX breakdowns and see, uh, and making ofs. Um, right? Yeah. Right on. Yeah, definitely. We're looking forward to seeing you here next week for next week's podcast where we'll be answering another great fan question. What is rendering in CGI? Look forward to that mm. one. Bye. Well, that's it for today. We sure hope you've enjoyed the CG Bros answer to the question, how is CGI used to create 3D sculptures? Thanks for being with us. If you watched us on YouTube and you enjoyed the experience, please hit the super thanks button where you can buy us a cup of coffee. Please give us a thumbs up too. Be sure to leave a comment too, because we might share it on a future podcast and give you a personal shout out by name. If you're not yet following us on our channel, please hit the subscribe button. Subscribing is free. And ring the bell, so you'll be notified when we post our next podcast. Also, please share the video with your friends on social media. Oh, and uh, don't forget to tell all your friends that they, too, can enjoy the audio-only version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible.com, and Stitcher. And here's a free bonus. If you'd like even more insider information delivered right to your inbox, subscribe to our free CG Insider monthly newsletter. Go to our website, thecgpros.com, and sign up. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, and Instagram. And be sure not to miss the next episode when the CG Bros will answer the question, what is rendering in CGI? This has been episode 2246 of the CG Bros CG Insider Podcast. See you next time.